So, okay, November 12th. Are we live? Yeah, I'm recording. Oh, okay. We're, we're rusty, I can tell. It's already yeah, an it's awkward, a little awkward start. It's a little awkward. Um, hi, Ben. Hi. What's up? I'm good. I'm great. I'm excited to be back in the proverbial booth. <laughs> um, happy November 12th. Happy November 12th. Happy post-election. Happy post-election. Happy... Month seven of COVID. Has it been seven months? Yeah. And we have what the most record high deaths? Not not grammatically correct, but yes, we have record yes. high deaths. Yeah. Eight, actually, it's the eighth month. Has it been the eighth month? Yes. Well, I can't really tell. Yeah. All I know is that um, the election is over. Or is it? <sighs> yeah, we're just saying how this is a really bad breakup. That. You know, you're just trying to like move on with your life, and the guy's like, "No, like I, I, I want to make this work, America." Yeah, it's it's like uh, like if our ex was Ike Turner, you know. <laughs> right, a lot of abuse. It's like a lot of emotional abuse. You're like, "What do I really want to be with this nice guy? Like he's so nice, you know?" Yeah. Like there's no drama. It's like he's so normal. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. like, we're, like, America's just an like, abused spouse. So is this, like, breakup sex? Is that what's happening right now? No, it's nothing. It's literally, like, the guy doesn't want to leave your house, so you might have to call police. Mm. 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 Like that analogy? Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Um, Speaking but, of brilliant. Um, oh, yes. Should we talk about our big ahead. sponsor? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, right now, uh, Ben and I are indulging in, a, in what we like to call a tequila sparkling water spritzer called Bali. I'm holding the can. Not to be, not Bali like the uh, Pitbull sponsored vodka. I think that was Voli, V-O-L-I. Oh God, I don't even know what that means. This is Voli. This is Voli, like the, the sport, like the, the sport that Keith Rayner from Nexium, um place right, right. Yeah. that's true he does yes. um it's actually a very nice presentation it's a, yes it's very nice presentation it's pretty much what i like to call the white claw of tequila yeah so um anyhow go, go grab one from wherever they're sold yeah. <laughs> we're really fucking great sponsors here, we're, it's, our, it's, our it's, a, it's a fake sponsor but you know yeah. as we say like cheers cheers, cheers. yeah we're, we're, we are drinking this and we're actually pretty, pretty enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, we have a treat today for all of you. Such a treat. And, and the level of the treat will depend on where the conversation goes. Yes. So much, so much, so much. Um, for those that don't know, Erica Fickling is, is like, a, she's kind of like a, like, um, not a nightlife figure what would you call it 
Like, um, I'd say she's like a cultural icon locally. Ooh. She's kind of like if Miami had a younger version of a Grace Jones. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that is that too extreme? I don't know. Let's run that by. Okay. Let's see, run it see what she thinks. Yeah. Um, Erica is a unicorn. When did you meet Erica? I met Erica. Uh, I think with. Was it with John Lynn once, maybe? Oh, yes. yes. No, you know what? No. Previous podcast guest, no, no, John No, no, here's Lynn. what it was. I met Erica when she worked at the Standard. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wait, did you go to her infamous bingo nights? I did go to bingo nights, but her and I kind of, I think we faded into each other's consciousnesses, conch shy. Um, yeah, because we kept, we kept saying hello, because she was good vibes, on, you know, maybe I was good vibes. Because of bingo? No, just like seeing her out and about. Oh, yes, hey, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're really excited. She's going to be zooming in from where now she currently is a full-time resident in South Carolina. Have she, you been? She would be our second South Carolina guest. No, I think Ray was in North Carolina. Oh, fuck. Anyway. It's, been, it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so she hopefully will zoom in. What are you listening to, dude? How's your playlist so far? Uh, my playlist sucks. I haven't been listening to music. What? Really at all. Why? I don't know. Are you sad? No, it's just sometimes I just go without music. You know? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So what, so you just been like watching YouTube videos or like what? No, I really haven't been consuming much in the form of, you know, media. I mean, I did listen to the new Salt album. And the Fleet Fox, the Fleet Fox's album is actually quite good. The new Salt album since they just released like recent, recent Salt. Well, they released two this year. Yes, that's it's the true. second one. Like right during April, during BLM. No, no the next one. They have another they album. They have another out? album out. Jesus. It came out last month. It's. I think it's better than the the last one. They are so prolific for a band that no one knows who the fuck they are. Yeah, they're uh, they're mercurial. I guess is the word. Yes, but no one knows who they are. Right. Maybe it's just like an old band that had a bunch of lost records that they just wanted to ship out. Maybe they're not real people. Maybe it's just some... Maybe it's a fucking AI. It's AI, man. I knew it. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Cool yeah. concept. Yeah, I don't mind it because it's good music. Um, um, yeah, I know. Fleet Foxes, man. I'm sorry. I know I always used to talk shit about Fleet Foxes. No, you used to talk shit about Fleetwood Mac. Any band with the word fleet. Um, oh but fleet, like Fleet Foxes to me was always this sort of like, I don't know, very hippie, not hippie, but, but like a-, a um, Yeah, like a hipster, kind of like- um, Yeah. Yeah, what's that band that's really even worse? Wilco? No, bro. The guy, Scott- no. Oh, Father John Misty? No, no. Dude's from Ireland. Uh, uh, lead singer married the actress Carrie Mulligan. That's all. I, I, that's all that comes up. Who the fuck are we talking about? Something brothers? No. Carrie, I'm just gonna have to Carrie Mulligan. Husband. Okay, let's see. Oh, oh, yeah. What? What about what? Yeah. Mumford. Yeah. Ah, oh, the God. worst. Oh. The worst. I hate Mumford. God, that, what what do you call that music? Like jig music meets what? What is that? It's 
It's uh, it's just horrible. Yeah, it's like lumber soul. There's like lumberjack and soul music. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, so tell us about your travels. Uh, so I was well. We, remember, we did an episode. Where I yes, was, walking well, in, walking through the streets of Copenhagen. And then I totally dropped the ball because I was supposed to get a bunch of podcast guests. Correct. Copenhagen. Copenhagen's finest. Turns out that I totally forgot that Danes are the most reserved people. <laughs> In the world, is that true? Things are kind of reserved and private, yeah. Um, so they were just like, "What? Why would you want us?" Like, were they all like weirded out by the well, request? Well, they're too polite to say no, but then they wouldn't exactly follow up when I would. Oh, so you were like a stalker? I was a stalker, exactly. So I'd get stiff on a little bit, but I had some really good ones lined up. Yeah. What about like the random perk? Like the random like expat at the bar wasn't that like wasn't that going to be like a series we're going to call it like the expat series no that was never a thing okay I sorry i made that up okay. but no i wasn't i mean it wasn't like i was sitting up you know bars meeting people are you sure well, a couple of times <laughs> they just weren't podcast ready or worthy um but did you feel like you were getting bored over there were you kind of inching to get back or were you like no i'm, I'm moving forever no, I was ready to come back, but I then I felt you know, I felt sadness when I came back. I actually missed it. I, oh, really? Yeah, for the first time ever. Huh. I really I missed being there. So. And what? Why? What do you think that? What? What caused that? There's just a rhythm to a place that you were like basically, uh, you know, that, that that cradled you and you know that you developed in where. It's just whether it's the way people look, you know, people speak to you or look at you or just, it's energetic, man. It's just, you, you just, you know, you connect for all these reasons that you can't rationalize. But did you feel like your kind of Americanized ways were like, like inching out, you know, like how some people feel like, oh no, I'm really, you know, native homeland and then they get there and like wait a minute i really don't really am part of this because i'm like american i think we all we conform to the mean usually in life mm -hmm. right and so if you're in an environment where certain values are prioritized you tend to you know no matter how much of an outlier you are right i'm not saying i am but we all converge to that mean right and so there are certain values in this country that are important, right? Uh, and, 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 you know, whether it's material accumulation, whether it's um, being successful, whether it's projecting a certain, you know, uh, a certain ambition, ambition or status in life. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've carefully constructed my persona here, you know, with those things like, whether mm. subconsciously or not, mm -hmm. you know, like that's who Ben in the U.S. is. And then when you go back, you connect to kind of a different version of yourself. You know, so less it, societal pressures, maybe? Oh, it's, it's a naive, like, you know, outdated iteration of yourself, but you still connect to it. And you start to see yourself in a different light, you know. Over there, it was, I didn't, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't want to paint it as being this, like, utopia, but you know, material wealth and 
achievement are less sort of like culturally important than here. Mm. I don't think, you know, I think it's hard to argue that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of nice because then you're like, well, what am I, you know, what am I here if, if those things don't matter? Hmm. Like what, what mean am I now converging to? And the mean there is very, it's very like, it's a very um, consensus driven, mm -hmm. consociationalist. Cons socialism? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I know socialism. Um, yeah, that's fascinating because you're, you, I do think like based on your environment, you do, you know, you react, right? It's like here, everything's like, go, 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 go. Like, you know, like this is America, like fucking go after it, you know? And then you go to like some other country where it's like, no, I'm good, I'm just chilling. I'm just having a good glass of wine. Like there's no like weird agenda, right? But you were in Portland, which is like the Denmark of- That, that is very true. And I'll be honest, I got so bored. That's the other thing, right? I got so, and we're, you're just kind of like, why are you still at brunch? Like, what, are we still talking about that New Yorker article? Like, it's been three hours. That's so Portland, yeah. Is that Denmark? Is that Copenhagen? No, but like talking about a New Yorker article. No, but I mean, I'm wondering, you know, and there is like, it's like, it's almost like for me, like, I wish I had that desire to talk about a New Yorker article for three hours of having like endless brunch, but then- It takes me three hours to read a New Yorker article, <laughs> by the way. But, but you know what I'm saying? And then I'm just kind of like, maybe I'm just not built that way. Or is it just because I was so like dropped into this fucking rat race where no, I'm kind of like, oh my God, my brain's like wired in a way where I'm like, go, 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 you know? Because there's, I know. because I think that, you know, like every, every society or every environment you're in, there's like a, it's, there's a theater, right? Of how you interact. And so maybe you're just fucking tired of that theater. Which is, you know, like, and, and, it, and there's maybe in its own way a lack of realness. True. And a pretension to that. Yeah. Probably in any, in any environment you go to, you'll have that. Where you, but, wanna, you wanna cut through kind of just whatever the theater is of the way people are. Yeah, but then don't you feel like, regardless of which theater you're placed, there's still a true essence of who you are as a person. And you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes regardless of the environment's influence on that true essence, it's always gonna come out. You know what I'm saying? I think. Or are we just simply an AI and we're super influenced by how we were raised yeah, and the environment? This is just a simulation, clearly. <laughs> well, if that's the case, <laughs> I agree, but. Um, Sessions, yeah, so. By far, that show, I think it's also very ironic that the entire show was created mm -hmm. by a British guy. <laughs> like, I sometimes think you need an outsider looking in oh, yeah. to observe the most nuanced, like the craziest shit, you Dude, know? The Tocqueville, man. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who knew more about, even today, if you read the Tocqueville today, a fucking French guy mm -hmm. writing about. American post-colonial society. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. A fucking British guy. Yeah. Had the balls to write about. Well, uh, you know, I do take that back. It's based on the Murdoch family and they are Australian. Well, well also the, uh, the uh, patriarch of the succession family was Scottish, right? 
Right, but it's very American. It's it could not be more American. It's so American. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I love your headset. Oh, thank you. I stole it from my techie husband. This is what he uses for all of his Zoom calls. It's like, it makes you seem like you're a computer programmer. Oh, yeah. Well, how, how can I help you with your Microsoft Word? Yeah. You look like a Peloton having... instructor. I, I am. <laughs> Move your asses now. Go, go, go. Let's go. Let's get it. You can't buy sweat. Let's go. Anyway, sponsored by Peloton. I was saying earlier how if if um, Grace Jones had a little sister living in Miami, it would be Erica. <gasps> See, I knew she'd like that freaking comparison. I love that. You're you. Grace Jones is Grace Jones is like a superhero to me. Like she's like one of those people that. I definitely would strive to be like. So thank you. That's a great compliment. Complicated woman, a, com a complicated but but a, a, a um, just such a regal human. Kind of like Erica. <laughs> I am very complicated and regal like a mofo. Hey. hey. <laughs> um, We're very on script with our initial sycophantism with our guest. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Erica, how's life? Tell us everything. Um, how's everything? Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I've deactivated all of my social media. Yes, can you tell us about that or, or no? Oh yeah, I can. I mean, quite honestly, it has to do with the election. It has to do with seeing that half of the country still believes that it's okay for me to be a second-class citizen in a place that I was born and raised in. Um, what kind of sucks? It's like, some of you are my friends. Some of you are people who smile in my face, but your wallet is much more important than my life. Mm -hmm. Especially people who try to come at me with pro-life. It's like, Ooh. yes, really? yes, pro, think about it, pro-life. You're pro-life for an unborn fetus, but you're not pro-my life. Mm. You're not pro-life for my husband that goes out and every time he leaves, I have to say, be safe mm -hmm. instead of, I love you. Like other people don't think about that. Every time my husband leaves, I say, be safe to him. Those could be my last words, is that. Kind of fucked up, isn't it? Mm. And then every time he's in the car, if there's a cop that's behind him, he's gripping the steering wheel. Mm -hmm. That's because he's fearing his life. So to all the pro-lifers, what about our lives? Mm. Are you not pro that at all? So Obviously were you, not. Were you like shocked? to hear who voted for Trump that was in your network? Or were you kind of like, oh, I knew this bitch was fucking. Or Some people, yes. Some people, no. Mm -hmm. um, the ones, and I, I will say this, I did, I did turn into angry black woman. I was like, I was like Angela Bassett and waiting to exhale, lighting the match and throwing it into the car. Like that's how burn I felt. Burn it. Burn, burn it on, burning everything down. That's really where I was. And quite honestly, it got to a point where I did begin to attack everyone. I just, I just saw red and I do feel bad about that. But it's to a point where I'm, I'm always nice, always a nice person. And I've been conditioned and groomed to be nice because 
when people look at me before I open up my mouth, they're already judging me. They're already saying, okay, she might try to steal my wallet. Mm-hmm. Or she might, you know, I don't know, whatever. Like hood rat shit, like whatever, like not educated, all that usual bullshit. All of that. I mean, even in Asheville, I went to a wedding in Asheville like three years ago. And after the wedding, um, me and a bunch of us drunkies went into a convenience store to, to buy like some snacks. And the first thing the cashier said to me was, hey, the EBT machine is down, just so you know. Oh, my God. Mind you, the EBT machine is the same processor that processed credit cards. She could have just said the credit card machine was down. Right. But she said the EBT machine was down. And immediately I went into this accent. What's an EBT? I have no idea. You Americans and all your cards. That was <laughs> my next question. What's an EBT? It's like, that's, it's like a, like a welfare and an EBT. It's oh, like electronic. Oh, that's, that's really yeah. fucked up. Yeah. 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 Basically like uh, food stamps not taken today. So, of course, that's whenever, whenever I'm uh, addressed in some sort of conflict about my blackness, especially by non-people of color, I immediately go into the British accent. So because what, what is this? Okay, so so I, I've been hearing you speak with a British accent for years. Oh, your, your accent's not coming out Yeah, mine's coming out too, yeah. It is. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm on, yeah, we're on the same page here. Um, so where does that come from? Is that, is there a, you probably told me this drunk one night, but. What yeah, well, <laughs> so I have an obsession with British TV, uh, especially like back in 2010, 11, when Sherlock first came out. Oh. So I watched that religiously. And plus I love E4 and BBC and all that. Do you like Fleabag? I do love Fleabag. Do <laughs> I do. I have not seen the second season yet. So please do not spoil anything. No, I'm catching up on a bunch of things all at one time. So, um, but anyway, I also have a... It's, it's like slightly better than Gwyneth Paltrow's. What? She's a, like, if you closed your eyes, you would not know. No, that's what I'm saying. It's no, good. She's, she's it's, quite good. Yeah. it's quite good. It's quite good. Yeah, it's all right, yeah. love. Yeah. Go on. No, no, it's all right, Ben. Of course, you're going to be a denier because you've heard me talk about English accent quite often, but... It's all right. Yeah. It's not about it's not about you. It's not about you closing your eyes and imagining because you're not paying me two seventy five a minute to do it. If you are, then then how might I pay you two seventy five a minute? That's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. Um, why why for a different podcast? <laughs> you want to hear how I got this British accent on that boy? Yeah. <laughs> One second, I'll be paused oh. for a message from our sponsors. <laughs> Sharp, great food, get ready. Yes. Different when I speak with a British accent. It's fascinating. Yeah. Is it really, though? You don't think so? Well, it's fucked up. It's not, I mean, it's it's not surprising. Up. And it is fucked up, but it's still quite fascinating. It's. It, so, yeah. What's your storyline that you tell when, you know? Hey y'all, where are you from? Where in England are you from? Like so you many bad whole... accents in this uh, podcast. But go ahead. Like, do you have a whole story? Like, I'm like, yeah, well, I grew up in Brixton, and da da da. No, you just like. Why should be from Brixton? That's because that's kind of like now you're putting her in like you know. Okay, no fucking southern. You're from fucking Hampshire, down the suburb one. Well, I, well, actually, I'm from Bradford, which is in Yorkshire, England, and oh, further you're north. From Bradford, are you? I am. Most people, whenever they hear my voice, they think I'm from Surrey, which I'm sure you yeah, thought I was from so. Surrey. I you'd have like a Yorkshire accent. 
Yeah, I don't have a good Yorkshire accent because I went to finishing school. Proper girls go to finishing school. You should know that by now. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard you go to finishing school <laughs> quite often. <laughs> I love you guys. So, yeah, so let's go back to the kind of your... How has it been living in... The South. I mean, Miami is the South, but it's definitely not the South. Has it been, um, has it been like tense for you, particularly in the last couple months? Like, or you're just kind of in your own bubble? Like, how's that been? When we first decided to relocate here, and the reason why we relocated here is because I have a mentally handicapped uncle that lost his leg. Um, he's 71, but it's like taking care of a 12 year old, and he has only one leg. Um, because before we were splitting our, splitting our time between Miami and Paris yes. and really had our foot out of the door from Miami and on our way to fully living in Paris. So when we first moved here, it was a bit of a shock. Um, the first time the British accent came out was the second day that I was here and I was at the, the a doctor's appointment with my uncle and I had really long extensions, like down to my ass, Nicki Minaj extensions to the point where sometimes I could sit on it, you know, and I'm rubbing my uncle's back and my back is turned to whomever sitting behind me. I didn't even know if anyone was there and I kept feeling my hair being tugged. And I'm like, fuck Eric, you're sitting on your hair again. So I'm adjusting myself again, hair being tugged. I slowly turn around and the people across from me, mouth agape, just open. I keep turning around and who is it but Blanche from the Golden Girls with her helmet hair, all nice and white golden hair, holding a handful of my extensions, smelling it, playing with it. This is, this is when the British accent came out. In that moment, I didn't know what to do. I was completely shocked. And the nurse came out to get her, so I couldn't even respond. I was too like, <gasps> 20 minutes later, Blanche comes back out. She's done with the doctor. And I get up. And as I'm getting up, Ernest is like, no, Erica, no. Don't make a scene, no. And I go right up to her, to the counter where she wants to go pay for her copay. And I started petting that helmet, oh. hairnet, hair. And I said, do you like that? You like being pet like you're at a zoo? Are you an animal like I? Does that feel good to you? And she was completely shocked. I think she was shocked by two things. One, the fact that I was touching her. And two, that I had this British accent. Because the next thing she said was, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's never been a problem when I've touched people's hair before. What? So... In the beginning, when we first got to South Carolina, it was a bit of a shock. There was other instances similar to that one. But now we've purchased a, a house here, which is dope as fuck. Um, and, <laughs> and we do live in a little, bottle, a little bubble. I mean, plus with COVID-19, it's like everyone's in their own little micro bubble. So, Good. Which city are you in? A little town called Sumter, population 35,000 people. <laughs> And uh, what, what's the, what are the demographics? What's the like culture like there? Is it a, you know, is it like a hip little town or is it like a rural provincial South Carolina's fuck little town? 
let me tell you this. There is a family video here that still rents DVDs. Ooh. If that gives you an idea of what kind of town I'm in. <laughs> um, demographic, it's a very black and white town. They do not sell alcohol on Sundays. Mm. Um, what else? Very yeah, there's very conservative. There's a church on every corner. There is no Target here because Target's for the devil. What? what? No, I don't know why there isn't a Target here, but there isn't one. <laughs> um, there used to be a Kmart, but that just closed earlier this year because of COVID. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Um, yeah. But do you, I mean, I know you loved living in Paris so much. Is that still kind of the end goal? Because you were saying you felt like a human living there. And I wonder, yeah. I wonder why, though, you know? I know that, let's be real, like, Europeans are fucking racist, too, you know? Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, I'm curious how that works, you know, when you're, particularly Black Americans are seen in a very different light in a place like France. I, I don't know why, but you just look at history I mean, you look at Josephine Baker, you look at Nina Simone, you look at Billy, um, Billy Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald. And was living in Paris for a long time, yeah. All fled to Europe, all fled to France in particular, to France, um, to be treated just as women, not as black women. And that's what I feel like when I'm there. I just feel like I'm a woman. I'm not judged by my skin color. If anything, I get treated like royalty when I open up my mouth and they know that I'm American. It's like, oh, she's American and black. She might be down with Kanye. Not necessarily a good thing, but <laughs> like, they do treat me like I'm special. And that's pretty fucking dope, especially when I've lived in a country where I've had to be extra nice so I'm not being judged. And I've had to be like, you know, so. Ashra and I were talking about this just because I, you know, I went back home to Copenhagen for a month and uh, just my different experience of American culture and society coming back and kind of that whiplash and that contrast in the juxtaposition of what it's like to be a human being in the United States and kind of like the values that you converge towards when you're here just by virtue of being here as opposed to those when you're in Europe. Mm. So is that... Like how is, is that a similar experience you've had? How have you noticed that, or have you? And, and what is, you know what what is your what's the upshot from your experience of being in Paris one day and then flying back to the U.S. the next? Like what do you notice immediately as the contrast? That is a that right? is a good good question. Um, I mean, for me, I'm so emotionally attached to Paris that I'm already internalizing the fact and dreading the fact that I have to go back to America. So I think I've already put a negative light on going back home. So I really couldn't give you a, an honest answer there because I've already, I've already, I already have a bias. I'm already biased against going back home. Um, have, I, have I noticed a, a big difference? No, because it's just the same shit, different day. I know that when I come back here, I'm just the black girl. And when I'm there, I'm this American princess. <laughs> so, I don't know. Man, that's, that's heartbreaking. 
Yeah, it sucks. Bro, it sucks. <laughs> Racism sucks. The whole thing su- just sucks. Yeah. All together. And I mean, I've witnessed, I've witnessed racism in France. Do not get me wrong. I'm not saying that France is like, oh, holy and shit. Um, like I've seen um, like Africans being, like straight up Africans being uh, uh, treated differently because- The Algerians are like scum over there. I mean, they yeah. go after them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you go into the 18th, um, the 18th, you guys have been to Paris, obviously, so you know, um, over in that area where most of the Black French congress, and yeah, they're treated poorly over there, and that's why I say, once I open my mouth and you know I'm American and Black, it's like, oh, she's cool. Fascinating. Yeah. It's like a different dichotomy, too, because you're there almost as, like, a tourist, Mm -hmm. they're, like, trying to, like, you know, you know, use the dole and try to like, you know, uh, you know, get the welfare of the France country. Like you're there really as like an observer. And nine times out of 10, like American culture is still like prime. Well, in, in all of Europe, you know, like, you know, U- Europeans, you know, generally, you, you know, the, the American culture is such an integral part of European culture at this point, yeah. especially of like younger generations. That's, it's still aspirational, and so you still get treated well. But I, when I was in Denmark, I had a lot of conversations with people about how, you know, there's a shift going on. There's a lack of, you know, a, lot, a loss of respect that's happened over the last few years. I, it was the same, really, during George W. Bush's administration. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, it, you know, there's something qualitatively different about it this time. You know, I think it's this, like, really, you know, Donald Trump and there's just the blatant racism that's now either condoned or conveniently overlooked by half of the population. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't help but fall out of love with someone who half the time you're with them acts like a racist. Yeah, or at least embodies or you know, reminds you of racism, right? Who's the fucking scumbag, racist, greedy motherfucker, pretty much. That constantly reminds you that you are an ancestor of what is called a shithole country. That constantly reminds you that in order to get a leg up, you have to be a loyalist to him and do what he says. They constantly remind you that, yeah, you can't wash off your brown, but it doesn't fucking matter. You will do what I say and, and get whatever I give you. And it shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't have to feel like that. And I shouldn't have to feel like that from half of freaking America. Like to literally have almost down the middle, half of America say, you know what? Yeah, I'm a racist or no, I'm not a racist, but my wallet is much more important than you. Kind of fucked up. What's going to be interesting is that in, 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 you know, and maybe I've been hopeful in 10, 20, 30 years time, right? Because America's history is beset by embarrassment for what we've done, right? And then having eureka moments where everyone's like, okay, yeah, that was bad. And then, you know, maybe we repeat it again in 10, 20 years time. But we do have these, you know, what alcoholics will call moments of clarity, right? Where we, we kind of figure, you know, we kind of understand what we've done. And what will be interesting to see is the next time we have that collectively as a society, 
at least with at least with half of the people that voted for Trump, how they're going to rationalize it, the excuses mm. they're going to come up with, and this sort of retroactive um, myopia and amnesia that people are going to express about why they voted for him. That's going to mm. be that is going to be that's yeah. I love your perspective. Like that's something I haven't thought about because I'm busy lighting things on fire. But the fact that you are over there actually really analyzing and thinking about the future. The privilege of being a white man. I get to back and You said it, not me, bro. Like, <laughs> interesting history, philosophy. <laughs> Well, hey. self-awareness is the first step to everything, you know? What can I say? It really is. Um, uh, so wait, so do you feel like there's a, a burden lifted off now that you don't have social media anymore? Um, yes and no. I miss my social media because I love people. Yeah. I love people, period. You are such a loving life, Erica. Full stop. True. And, Thank you. and it broke my heart when I read that post and you felt like people were taking advantage of your light. And that is something that, like, that is bad karma, man, for those folks because you're constantly, like, raping and pillaging other people's light for obvious reasons, right? And that really just... It struck me personally, because I also felt like I've been in situations like that as well. You know, where you're just like, mm, you really don't like me. But there's obviously an energy that I'm giving off to you that you want in the room. But you really don't like me because you ain't trying to invite me over to your house. You know, like, so that's kind of like, I felt a sense of like, mm, I know exactly how she feels. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, that's one of the reasons you and I have been friends for over a decade now is because we're kindred spirits. We're the same, you know? The light in me sees and honors the light in you. Don't mean to get all yoga and namaste-ish up in that ass, but <laughs> it's true. Um, the shitty thing is, is that for me, I don't know how to stop being friends with people, even if they you are negative for us. <laughs> I, I know, I, I know. It is really weird because you're like, but I love you. Even though you're shitty, I still love you. But maybe it is like a weird, like, toxic relationship that you just kind of, like, cut off. Yo, there was four brothers, four whole brothers that I took under my wing when I worked at the Standard. If these boys needed help paying their rent, I got them because they were busy spending their money at Purdy and then spent all their money on drinks. And I'm like, oh, you're about to get evicted? I got you. You know what I mean? Like when their mother passed away, I was the only person that acknowledged it from their group in Miami. And, you know, you know when uh, Macron was going up against Le Pen? I would get messages from the eldest brother saying, ha, 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 Le Pen's about to take over France. Whoa. Unwarranted, didn't even ask for it, would get DMs like that. Weird. Then when I posted my whole diatribe about, about you know, what we were just talking about, you know, feeling my energy being used, the youngest brother told me to get over myself. Like, my opinion and my thoughts just don't matter. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, it's really hard, especially with them because I love them really, really hard. Like really, really love them. But isn't, I guess the question I have is, because this is a larger question that, that's kind of leveraging your personal experience to the larger point that, that we all have to deal with right now. Where does our love go when, when faced with so many people and an environment that feels unloving or toxic? And, you know, on the one hand, there's, you know, I, I feel hesitant to give love to, to, to people that I think are just so off and just so not full of love right now. But on the other hand, mm -hmm. to shut that love off is also to deny yourself of your essence, right? So how the fuck do you navigate those like competing feelings? You keep loving, like. You got it, right? I how compare my. From a distance. <laughs> Just like how billionaires, no, just like how billionaires are still spending money in this time of COVID and making money, they're considered the 1%, right? I consider myself the 1% because while they're rich in cash flow, I'm rich in love. What? And not many people are like me. You're not going to find a lot of people like me. So I'm definitely the one fucking percent. So I'm going to keep doing me the way they're going to keep doing them. I'm going to keep spreading my love and being me. And hopefully the world will change and evolve with me. And if not, at least the future generation, which I have hope from all these kids, Satya, freaking Satya. Whenever I see her pose, sometimes I cry. I'm just like, that is, that is the future. Like she's a piece of me. No. She don't love it, no, but she does. The thing is, she, under, she is fully understanding the divisiveness that's going on, and she doesn't understand really why the fuck it's happening. Oh. That's what I... 1,000. That's, like, what really, truly gives me hope every morning is... You were just saying that. That generation, they don't think like us old people. Like, this whole <laughs> black and white, this binary male, female, this, like gay, straight, like, they're just like, bro, like, this is some old people shit, like, get over it, like, <laughs> like, either you're cool, or you're not cool, and, like, move on, you know? But, 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 but here, I don't want to, like, rain on that parade, because it gives well, me it, hope. Yes. It's literally raining outside. It's literally, like, but a storm outside. Are we just falling for the same shit again, believing that it is even possible for the next generation to not be polluted and poisoned by what is the legacy, historical legacy in this country that is defined it more than anything, which is legacy and it's uh, slavery and it's aftermath and it's institutionalization, Jim Crow to, you know, well, all yeah. the, I mean, don't get like, me wrong. Does it just end now because they're kind because they have technology and they're no, like, I think that, I think what's happening with most of the generation that's coming up is they're already seeing it physically, they're biracial, right? So they're mm -hmm. identity within themselves, within their DNA, right? So they're either black and white or Asian or black or whatever the case may be. And I think that alone, just on like the physics, the DNA alone is gonna break any barriers. And then the other see, I mean, there are tons of fucking privileged, spoiled white kids 
Don't get me wrong, but that's their product of their, their environment, their family, how they were raised. But I do think that, I do think technology does play a role in kind of to shatter these kind of boxes, you know, cause they're, they're, the fact that like my kid is really like this half Korean, half Jamaican with an Indian name that <laughs> is, you know, like, I don't know, like a bunch of her friends are Haitian who loves K-pop and speaks Korean, blows my mind. So beautiful. How weird is that? You know what I mean? It blows my mind. And I, I look at them like, why are you speaking Korean? You're Haitian. Like, you're like, we love K-pop. And you're like, I don't get it. But like, they get it. You know? I'm giving you that right now. I'm giving you some of that. Yeah. <laughs> that to me is what is going to change and shift because it's culture. It is. Like, I'm like laughing, but I'm about to cry too, because you're absolutely right. And it's so fucking beautiful. Like when, when the whole cape, the, the whole BTS army, like shut down the, that Trump rally, like these are, this is our future. So that's why I can't stop giving my love. I can't stop. Because if I do, it's not going to tr- trickle, trickle down economics, trickle down loveonomics. Same thing. I love it. That's gonna make it. That's gonna make its way into an Esther Park story. <laughs> what I tell you, there's there's two different types of one percenters. There's the billionaires and there's the true lovers. Two different types of one percenters. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm. I am. I am hopeful. You know. I mean, this country has a long way to go, though. Don't get me wrong. Long I won't be here to see it. <laughs> my foot right out the damn door yeah, I'm <laughs> kind of days man i'm like i'm ready to go i mean we would have been in paris this year too had it not been for covid we still split our time up yeah you know anywho but so but you do feel like that was the move to go in social media just kind of like expressing yourself and just being like you know what fuck you guys because I'm done. Like I didn't read. I didn't read the post. So summarize the essence of it and the trigger for it. Oh, girl. <laughs> I don't think you want me to summarize it. I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, um, quick summary. Quick summary. What was what was the trigger? The trigger was. I believe this was on November. Found somebody that voted for Trump that was a friend of yours. That no, that was that was not the trigger. I believe it was on a warm November 5th that I woke up at the Standard Hotel and I woke up to my husband crying and not just tears coming out of his eyes crying, but like heaving, shoulders moving up and down. And I've never seen this man cry like that before, Um, which freaked me out. And I thought something happened, someone died or something. And he's like, no, he's like, this man might win. And not only that, he's like, we've talked, we've already talked about it the night before, but he's like, now I'm reading posts from other black people that feel the same way I do. And he was like, I thought that I was the only person, like you and I, he was like, cause we talked about it. He was like, I thought that we were the only two that kind of felt like this is really fucked up that the race is so close at this point, but no, all of us, Anyone that looked like us have been posting who hasn't, who's not a Trumpster themselves. Anyone that looks like us is just like, half the country really hates us right now. 
half the country don't believe that we should be here. Like, because that's what it feels like. Unfortunately, it may not be an exact, that might not be Trump's exact message, but over the course of the last four years, he's made us feel like second-class citizens here. So to see Ernest crying like that, I was like, no, everybody shut the fuck up. We're about to talk right now. If you were a Trump supporter, I mean, if you're a Trump supporter and you actually voted for him, I'm going to let you know right now, we're done. And matter of fact, don't even, no, not only are we done, I want you to tell me who you are. Because you're, if you're voting in secrecy, that means there's a part of you that knows that this shit is wrong. Yes. Don't, and I was like, don't hide yourself. Show your faces. Show it now. Because a lot of you are friends of mine. I've been very kind not to say anything when the Black Lives Matter movement went out and you guys were talking shit about it. I didn't say anything. But now I want to know. I want to know who the fuck you are. You know, I made my husband cry. No. And that basically was the, the gist of it. And it was me going into just saying, like, I've been nothing but loving to all of you. I've never been mean to any of you. I've been motivational or like pushing you forward and, and rise, like help lifting you up. And here you are essentially putting your foot on me and pushing me down. No more. And then I started calling people out. I, and I do regret calling out some people because I was getting messages from a lot of friends like, you know, that person's a Trump supporter. You know, that person voted for Trump. And that was just like adding more fuel to the flames. And I tell you, I was Angela Bassett with the gasoline tank and the match. And so I did go after people that I should not have. I should have actually messaged them in private because I have known them for years. So I do admit wrong at doing that. I do. But for most of them, mm -mm. They got the wrath of Erica that day. And if any of them messaged me directly or whatever, I let them know, well, I thought you were an abolitionist. You really were a slave master. Fuck right off. Everyone got a fuck off that day. And after that, I was like, mic drop, take me off of social media because I don't want anybody else contacting me. I'm going to go back into my bubble. I'm going to take care of my handicapped uncle and my husband. And I'm going to start learning French so I can get the fuck up out of here. So, what is, so, so let me ask you this. So mm -hmm. you obviously, you know, you're, you're a person who, shed, you know, who spreads a lot of light and love. And so you'll probably want to go back on social media, you know, because that's where love and light happens. No, but, but seriously, you, you know, that's kind of a platform for you and that's how you express yourself. So what's the plan? You're just going to go back, you know, is it do nothing? Just kind of, are you, gonna dress, well, you, are you gonna address what you 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 kind of admitted or or you know, stated as being I shouldn't have done that? Or are you just gonna do you feel the need to write that or do you not? Oh no, I should have done what I've done. There's really only one person in particular that I should not have done that to, which I have reached out to that person privately and have done that. Have if you, I do go back Hmm? Okay. Has that been resolved? Not fully. And I don't expect for it to happen overnight, just like how we don't expect for change in this country to happen overnight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, which that's the only regret is that one person. But everyone else, like how I told them online, they could fuck right off. And I'm going to say it right now. Um, now, going back on social media, I don't know if I will. But just like how you said earlier, comparing to alcoholics, Got to take it one day at a time, right? Yeah. 
it's just such an interesting time because of technology and social media that everyone's so quick, you know, just like information just travels so quick that, you know, someone was saying this earlier, we're like at a dinner and um, we were trying to figure out, it was like recently we we're like at a dinner and we're like, oh, what, who's that person that's saying this song? And we're all like racking our brains. And I was like, let me look it up. And he goes, no, no one looks it up. Put your phone down. And I go, okay. And he goes, that just ruins the entire conversation. It does. 20 years ago, you literally were like communing and bonding over the fact that you're trying to remember some facts or, you know, but now we have this thing called social media or technology where it's like information is so immediate and this like idea of discovery and like this idea of adventure is lost within the relationship. And not to say, I think technology at the end of the day is a good thing, but I do think people are super reactive in the last like you know, month or two months. Like everyone's just like, well, fuck you, fuck you, you know? And you're just kind of like, yo, I need to like step, step back and just like, you know, process. The speed of communication way outpaces oh. our ability to process human emotion. Totally. Thing, you know, like, and that's a problem, right? Because I mean, remember getting into fights when we were younger, you'd like send a, a letter me, like apologizing. <laughs> Two three weeks, but you'd fucking sit for two three weeks, right? And you processing that exactly. emotion and all the complexities totally. of it. Here you go, fucking thirty seconds, and someone's telling you that you're a fucking douche, you know. But not only that, you're tweeting it to the rest of the yeah. world, so it's not right. just yeah. like you and I texting. It's like fuck this guy. You voted for Trump. I fucking hate you. And then like the entire world now is like, you know, jumping on it, and you're just like. Let me be a that, human for a minute and that's say power, though. And, and say some shit that I may stand by later, but also say some other stuff that I may want to walk back a little bit, yeah. at least with some people where I feel an obligation to maybe yeah. address it with a point. Right. Like how in my situation, like how I said, I don't, I'm not walking back that post at all. Everything I said, I stand by it and I mean it. Um, and again, other than that one exception, because really in life, there's always going to be an exception to the rule, so. But you know, Other than about it is like, I think true friendship and true love does outweigh that, you know? Like, if you really truly love somebody unconditionally and you empathize where they came from, you genuinely, like, understand. So mm -hmm. at that moment, I feel like that there is always going to be a reconciliation there. Unless you don't believe that empathy is bi-directional. And I think part of the problem is that and I'm you hearing, mean, well, because what I'm hearing from you, Erica, you're like, you know, the reason that I'm calling you all out and that some friendships have to end is because the condition to my friendship is that there's empathy for me just as there's empathy for you. We can all make mistakes, but, but you, making this decision to support this person or even, and, and even more so to verbalize your support for this person to me means that you feel like you've broken the fundamental promise of our friendship with empathy because you're now, there's no empathy to me by you expressing that because it, mm. it goes to the heart of who I am as a human being for you to support this person. But that should be the heart of being a human being period. 
it should have empathy. It should be having the ability to love others. That's the problem with America right now. We are only thinking of ourselves. No one is thinking about anyone else. That's why we take selfies. It's about ourselves. I mean, empathy's out the window. So you're right. There is a contract when you become friends with someone. That is a contract that we are supposed to have each other's back if it's a true friendship. What about the informational asymmetries that are like, you know, that's, you know the, the backdrop for everything that's going on in society right now, where, you know, certain people pick their media, they pick what they, cho- they, they choose to believe in. Um, it's not to justify why people vote, you know, vote in a certain way or, or believe a certain thing, but can you find empathy for people that don't have empathy towards you because they're putting themselves in a position to not believe certain things or to not digest things that to us seem like facts, but instead to just digest opinion? Well, I know you're playing devil's advocate because you're an attorney, so that makes sense. Um, But but basically what you're saying is, do I have empathy for the uneducated? Fuck yeah, I do. I do have empathy for the uneducated. And that's why I will not turn off my love because I'm still going to love you regardless. Does that mean I have to give you all of me? No. But you're going to get a little piece of love to remind you that that's why you're on this earth is to spread God's love because that's what you believe in, right? But is there a sense that the people that are in your circle should know better? Therefore, the, you know, the dynamic that you just described where people are uneducated, that, that shouldn't apply to your circle. Therefore, by definition, if people are subjecting themselves to those sense of media, it shouldn't matter. They should have a fundamental sense of what's right and wrong. And, and that this negates your existence by supporting that perspective. Yeah, no, yes, for sure. Okay. You just use a lot of big words there. I am smart, but I'm not attorney smart. No, no, so, no, I understand. So. I do. Because there, there are moments where I'm like, you know, someone, someone who I'm close to, friend, your mutual, we have a mutual friend, and um, this person literally looked me in the eye and goes, do you really think Trump is a racist? And I go, fuck yeah, he's a fucking racist, of course. Like, I'm just like, stupid? He goes, no, Esther. He's not. He's not a racist. He's not. And I'm like, really? But I'm, but here's the thing. Like, you're literally like flashbacks of 10 plus years of friendship. And you're like, bro, like, who are you? You know, it's like, yeah. So, so you're just kind of like, really, bro? Like, really? But then there was a moment where I felt empathy because like, again, there's like history. There's like, there's like love there, you know? And I wanted to just sit there and just be like, hmm, okay, well, break it down for me. Why do you, and it was just like a man, it's like a matter of like, wow, like you really don't think voting for Trump makes you this kind of racist, sexist, da, 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 da. Like he, you know, oh, damn. This person, (laughs) you know, like was like, really thinking that like it was just like a overreact we're being overreactive i think there's also another thing going on this is not to address the person who who loves a great great person but there's historical traumas in different populations right that are overlapping right and the 
you know, the kind of the genius, if you will, of, of certain politicians is to tap into, well, my trauma is so great, therefore I can view it out of my lens because this person is addressing my trauma. And I know mm-hmm. you have a trauma, but I have a trauma too. Therefore, I'm, you know, I do recognize your trauma, but I, but I have one too. Therefore, it's okay that I support this person, right? They definitely did that in South Florida with the whole socialism. Like, oh, yes, this is true. Right? So, uh, hey, I'm Jewish. Like, tons of Jews that I know support Trump because he's great for Israel. And, and that's also a historical trauma. I'm not equating or saying it's the same, but, but I'm saying that there, there, are, there are reasons. We don't have to accept them or say that's valid. And that's not what I'm saying right now. Uh-huh. What I'm saying is that that is, you know, again, that, and, and that is part and parcel of what's happening in certain subsections of Trump supporters. Mm. That they were because when you have, sorry, but when you have privilege and you're always privileged, the moment that you begin to give equality to other people that you've oppressed, you then be, think that you're now being oppressed. That's what's happening right now. It's like, Cubans, let, let, let's, let's talk about Jews and Cubans. Jews and Cubans, there's zero equivalency between the Jewish and Cuban experience in America and the Black experience. There's none. It, it, you know, so let's get that out of the way. There isn't. Um, but in the mind, and I've had this conversation with so many of my, you know, my, my Jewish brothers and sisters where they're like, I'm not white. You know, you, know, you hear this shit. I'm like, of course you're fucking white. You get to derive all the benefits of being white. And, but yeah, there's been persecution and, 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 it's, and, and a lot of trauma that's pulled down, but you can't equate it. But in their minds, they believe that because they have historical trauma, that somehow they get an out, they get a pass to now, you know, to be able to say yes, but, and then vote for Trump because he's good for Israel or because he's against socialism, right? And that's what's going on. So you've got people that, what they're really saying is that my, my trauma is more important than yours. Mm. Well, that sucks to put it in <laughs> basic words. Yeah. It's like, it's that whole crabs in the bucket mentality though, right? It's mm. like, at the end of the day, who's really in charge here? You know, who's fucking pulling the strings because you got a bunch of like different quote, faction ethnic minorities in this country just like fighting each other, but at the end of the day, follow the fucking money. Who's really in control, you know? And that to me is what drives this country. It's not about Democrats versus Republicans. It's really about the haves and the have nots. I know about lightning <laughs> 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 What is this lightning round? Tell me about it. Warn me. Okay, we're going to do lightning round. So we have random questions that you have to answer very quickly. All right. So, um, and it's just like super random. So you ready? Go. Okay. Ben, you can participate. I feel like Ben's already like answered most but um you i think it's been a while so you could answer okay ready what did you think was cool when you were young but isn't cool now Elena's more set 
She looks pretty cool. She was cool. Yeah. What about you? Uh, leather jackets. Leather jackets are still cool. Cool. Not as cool. You're underestimating how cool I thought they were. Okay. Michael, like Michael Jackson thriller. Oh. Okay. What, if anything, have you regifted? Oh, I don't know. I don't regift. I keep everything. You do all. I actually keep little tokens of my friend's stuff inside of my purse. Uh, I could grab my purse right now and pull out things from friends, from Corel, from... You're a hoarder, yeah. basically. <laughs> basically. Hoarder, hoarder of friends, hoarder of love. <laughs> um, okay, Ben? Uh, just shitty wine. Yeah, shitty wine's a good... Like Echo de... No, sorry. No. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay. It is a bad one. Um, how did you find out that Santa wasn't real? My next door neighbor told me when I was Stop. eight. Stop it. Why the was like, that? He was 14. I was eight. I had a crush on him. And everything that he told me was gospel. And he was like, yo, I saw your grandparents putting stuff inside the, inside the garage. You should go check it out. And what's crazy is when I was eight, that was the first real Christmas I've ever really had because I was bounced around. My sister and I, we never lived in one household. Okay. And that was the first time that we were with a family that actually really gave us gifts and made us feel like we didn't have to want for food or things like that. So my first real Christmas messed up yep who's that person let's beat him up his name is sean i don't know he's i don't know where he is in life <laughs> how, yeah, let's, let's fuck with someone else on on me wait uh what was the question how, how did you find out that santa wasn't real uh, i was raised jewish <laughs> you don't celebrate christmas no i was raised in, in a quite observant uh oh so like santa was like like, I mean, you know, like it was like nice. We, you know, but but it was yeah. No Christmas trees at home. No celebrating Christmas. Okay, interesting. Um, what is your claim to fame, Erica? Hosting Sunday Bingo at the Standard. Okay, <laughs> okay but you say like kind of like I like you're like. But what would be your claim to fame if you, or like yeah. Well, being part of the culture at the standard, I think, to be honest, it, it's not just hosting the bingo, but yeah. the vibe that everyone feels there now, it all started from me being there when it opened and being a part of the five general managers that went through it and me assisting them and then progressing and moving up there. So, yeah, I even have a bingo set here. I can, I can, I can bring out the balls and just like show you. <laughs> What about you? Ask what's your claim? Yeah. Uh, my claim, it always changes, guys. Every five years. Can I say? Excel? What? Didn't you write for Excel? Oh, Double XL Magazine? Yeah. Double XL, yeah. Oh, I mean, I did, my claim to fame back in the day was I did interview Kanye West for his first magazine article. Boom. And he did. Look he at you. me out, and I was like, gross. <laughs> um, okay, what else? All right, so 
if money wasn't an option, what would you do and why? Um, if money was an option, I would focus on, which I'm actually doing next year. I want to open up like a, a nonprofit for people of color to teach them how to, how to live like the other side, like how to get a passport. That going to the Bahamas technically is not leaving the country. Um, how to buy a house, how to raise your credit score. Just, just little things. I want to give back to my community. Because for a long time, I used to say that I'm just a, a white girl with a deep tan. Because most, most people that are listening, when they hear my voice, they think I'm white. Or British. Or British. I mean, British, white, come see, come saw, same, same, but different. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would do. I would focus on my community and help uplift them. Ooh, I love that. Love it. What about you? I, I just do what I'm doing. Be a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. I just keep on the path. Yeah, I like what I do. Okay. Um, okay. Name me three people, dead or alive, that you would invite to your dinner party. Dead, definitely. Okay, fine. Name me three dead people that you would invite to your dinner party. Three dead people. Three dead people. Ella Fitzgerald. Ooh, that's a good one. For sure. Yeah. Um, mm, Alex Trebek. Aww. A little too soon on that one, but yeah. I'm, well, you said that because even if he was still alive and you allowed me to say alive, Alex Trebek would be on my list. You, really? Even if he hadn't just died? Yeah, even if he hadn't just died. Alex Trebek watching Jeopardy really it's part of my education i'm not a i'm not a college graduate at all i mean really pop culture and tv educated me you're making this face but it is what it is no, I'm not, no I'm, what I'm, I'm trying to think through like i'm actually looking at the board and the categories trying to decide whether i'm trying to like remember whether the categories are actually educational or just kind of pop culture-ish. I guess there's both. It's both. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a mix of both. We grew up with Jeopardy, so I, I apologize. That's, that's like one of the beauties of Jeopardy. That's what made it interesting is because they would make it pop culture-ish, but then throw in history and everything else. Like, it's pretty much like Slumdog Millionaire for me, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Totally. And who else? Who else, who else, who else, who else, who else, who else? This is really, really tough. It's tough, right? It would be another musician because music is like everything to me. Yeah. Hendrix? Like, um, huh? Hendrix? You were like in my head. I'm going between Hendrix and Morrison. Ooh. Literally in my head, I'm going between Hendrix and Morrison. Kind of want to punch out Morrison. It's kind of a little kind of. He was really high. Pseudo poetry. Yeah. He was. He was really. Sorry. High. Do you like? Are you, sorry. I. I know. I mean, I love the Doors. I love Morrison. Um, I like the Doors. Mainly, the music's good. It's got a good vibe. But like, he was a bit of a pretentious prat. But most rock stars back then were pretentious. Come on. Come on. I mean, even freaking what's her name? Uh, Twenty Seven Club. 
Amy Winehouse was pretentious, but I love her to death. And she was an alcoholic and always on drugs. And quite honestly, I would love having dinner with her too. She was, she was pretentious. I don't know, her art was not pretentious, I don't think. No, see, but now you're asking me to separate art from the person, but then you're talking about her art. As a person, was she pretentious? I'm telling, I'm telling you just from kind of personal experience. Ah, uh, fair enough. Okay. I mean, I used to work at the Raleigh Hotel where basically um, Michael Stipe stayed there for an entire month. Um, used to feed uh, Mickey Rourke's dog every day. Chicken, little Lucy, every day, little Lucky. Um, so I've dealt with a lot. Been in the elevator with Madonna, had Marilyn Manson play my dreadlocks. Gave him a right carry a lap dance. <laughs> oh, so the old woman in South Carolina can, and Baron Manson can. Say what? So some random old woman in South Carolina can't play with your hair, Marilyn Manson can. So arbitrary who you let play with your hair. Just kidding. But she didn't tip me a hundred bucks. Ooh. <laughs> and then what's your three people? Dead people. Uh, fuck, I don't know. Gregory Hines. Ah. Uh, really? No. That's the first name that came to mind. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Um, why that was the name. Um, Franz Kafka. Nah, just skip it. My, all right, my all right, all right, Mike. Um, okay. What is one big turnoff from a partner that is non-negotiable? Mm. Look at Erica's face. <laughs> I mean, I'm turned on by a lot of things. There's not a lot of turnoffs when it comes to me to be quite honest. Um, lack of communication. Yeah. Um, not being able to. For me, communication is key. I'm sorry, I'm gonna give you like the boring answers because that's, it's true. It's, that's facts. Um, Even if it's something I don't want to hear, please tell me because it's only going to better me. Good point. Uh, ben, what about you? Non-negotiable. I, I can't get past partner part of that question. I don't I'm, understand. I'm not, in, you know, I'm not very good at relationships. So. You're a lone wolf? Yeah, a little bit of a, yeah, a little bit. Let's unpack that for a second. Oof. Tell me more. Tell me more about you being alone. I would refer you to episode nine with Lisa. Leone. Oh, that was a really good one. With who? Lisa Leone. <gasps> I love Lisa. We addressed that topic. Yes. He, yes. They both. They both um, realized they were gypsies. Right. Well, we watched the sunrise and the sunset. But um, I would probably spend the day getting shit face drunk and just reminiscing with just my husband. I don't need anybody else to be around me, just him and I. I refer you to episode seven with John Lynn after that response. Because <laughs> he said the same thing? <laughs> that's, that's kind of what he would do. He gets shit faced every night. That's what dude. I'm saying. Like, Come on, let's be real. You guys do know, you guys do know that that's who I work with, right? Like we're the only two people together. We, yes. we, we know, we know. We know. We're so, I, just to give context to everyone else listening, so if John said he got shit fizz, obviously I'm going to say the same thing. <laughs> um, ben, what about you? Last day on earth. You're definitely going to do what Clifford's doing with a pillow. I would. I would literally <laughs> find something to... Oh. Add, to Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, <laughs> I just want to show you... 
go. Kill it. Yo. Die, die, die. Kill, kill, kill. <laughs> oh my god, he's so cute. Yeah, that is, so you know, that is like murder. He's simulating right there. Oh, wow. he hey, buddy. I would just spend my last day with this guy. That's special. That's, That's so special. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's there, but I'd be doing other things. Would you Would you listen to Clifford Brown while hanging with Clifford Brown? Great listen to Clifford Brown. Yeah. I'd recommend it. In fact, you should listen to Clifford Brown tonight uh, while listening to episodes seven and nine. <laughs> what? Erica's never gonna listen to anything. <laughs> Particularly this episode. We're going to put this up. She's like, oh, fuck. Nope. Going to delete that one. I do hate the sound of my voice, so I probably won't listen to this. British voice. We love it. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any last parting words, Erica? Um, Yes. Something I used to always say at the end of Bingo which I do live by, is living is giving and sharing is caring. You all should love life. So drink it up.